about to we about to give you an award, Didi, for clown of the year. All, all right. If if we could um settle down a little bit. Um if we could settle down just a little bit, um, ladies and gentlemen. First of all I want to welcome you here to the Newman Chapel service here at Guiding Light Mission. I've been working here with Guiding Light Mission for uh, three months now and I'm really enjoying it and there's quality people here doing quality work and I'm sure you guys have tasted some of the quality food that Guiding Light has provided. And I, I just want you to know that Guiding Light provides this because they care about you. And it's great to have physical sustenance. We need it to live our daily lives. But there's something much greater that is needed to be successful in our daily lives. And as I share with you my testimony and a little bit about what God has done in my life, and then a little bit more about an exciting program in which we will hopefully be able to reach out to some of you. I hope and pray that you will not see me, but that you will see the man from Galilee, Jesus Christ. Because it is my mission to live a life that glorifies Jesus Christ, whether by life or by death. And I hope that he will find me faithful until the time that he decides to call me home or he decides um, to come back and bring all those who are Christians with him. I want to start out by a word of prayer and then I'll get into my message. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to meet here today. We thank you that where two or three are gathered, there you are in our midst. We pray that you would be here and be real to these people here. We pray that you would be with those who love you and are following you, that you would guide them and bless them as they seek to follow you, even though things don't seem to be going right right now, maybe. But we also pray for those who don't know you yet, Lord, that they would realize that you have a free gift for them, the free gift of salvation. And that they would realize that if they're willing to turn their back on their evil ways, that you will do a good work in their life. And that if you've begun a good work, you'll be faithful to complete it. And so, Lord, we commit this following time to you, ask you to bless it and use it. And uh, we thank you for being with us wherever we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I, I want to start out by telling you a little bit about myself. And then I want to tell you about um, a very interesting man in the Bible and relate it to my story. I was born on May 27, 1979. I'm the oldest of 11 children and uh, just found out on Sunday that my brother and his wife are expecting a baby. So in January, uh, my parents will have their first grandchild. And I'll be an uncle for the first time. So Amen. I, I, Amen. I'm really looking forward to that. Amen. Um, so I was born um, three months prematurely. Um, and that was, I don't know why God caused me to be born at that point. But it's kind of interesting because my parents were taking their last um, vacation 
before um, they had a child, and I decided to show up. I guess I just couldn't wait any longer. Anyway, after I was born, my lungs collapsed, um, and that caused me to have a brief time of brain damage, which put me in this wheelchair today. And when I was about five years old, my grandfather died. And I asked my mom, I said, is grandpa in heaven? And she said, I don't know. I don't know whether he knew Jesus or not. And so at this time, I began to think about my own mortality because there are, there are very few things that we can say with absolute certainty, but one of them is one out of one people dies. Everybody's guaranteed. The Bible says in Hebrews, it's appointed on the man once to die, and after this, the judgment. So I knew that death was coming. But for the first time as a five-year-old, I started to think about what that would mean for me. And I, I realized that if I had died that day, I would go to hell. Because I was a sinner. I'd grown up in the church knowing that I was a sinner, or learning that I was a sinner. And I realized at that point that I had to make a life change. So I committed my life to following Jesus Christ. Best decision I ever made. I would love to be able to tell you that at that point, everything started going right for me. I didn't have any struggles with my disability. I didn't have any struggles um, with accepting the way God made me. But I'd be lying. For the first nine years that I was a Christian, I did something which I will not recommend that you do, and that is I argued with God. And if you've ever argued with God, maybe you're in the midst of one right now, I want to warn you something. God sees all, knows all, and is all-powerful. Therefore, if you engage in an argument with God, you already lost before the argument began. And unfortunately, it took me nine years to figure this out. So, um, I went through a lot of bitterness. I, I went through a lot of times when I was angry at God because I said, God, if you had given me a healthier body, then I would be able to serve you more effectively. But since you made me with this crippled body, what can I do? And I would spend a lot of my time asking this question and arguing back and forth. And through a series of events, which included the death of my three-month-old brother um, in 1992 of SIDS, and at that point, that's probably the lowest point of my life, I remember asking my mom, why did God take my perfectly healthy baby brother and leave me here when I'm utterly useless? I can't do anything. I'm utterly useless. Why didn't he take me instead? Now, I don't know if I was what you would consider suicidal, but those thoughts at least entered my head. And I thank God that I was never physically able to do anything about those thoughts because I wouldn't be here today if I was, possibly. Although I don't know if I was totally you know, down that line, but I got close enough. And about a year later, I went to a seminar, and the topic of the seminar was the unchangeable... <coughs> things about our lives. There was ten things that the speaker talked about being unchangeable. One of those things was the way God makes you physically. And at that point, God broke through and he said, Andrew, I don't need to change you. So 
from the outside. I need to change you from the inside, and then you can be used of me. And so that day in that seminar, it just came fresh to me, and I bowed my head, and I said, Lord, any opportunity that you give me to serve you, I will serve you. I'm not going to make excuses anymore. And at that point, God began to open doors. In July of 2004, or in July of 1994, sorry, um, I was able to be on Children's Bible Hour Company Corner. And actually, I just got a call last week from Uncle Charlie. He says that broadcast will be re-aired coming up very soon. Um, so they're still using it after 14 years, which is I think is awesome. And I give all the glory to God for how he has been able to use that. But he's opened up many doors, including being here at the mission. One of the promises that I made to the Lord is that if he ever gave me an outlet to share my testimony, to share the gospel of Christ, I would use it. I'm not always faithful at that, but God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And he's done that for me many times. And so, I'll get back to a little bit more of my story later, but I would venture to guess that there may be some of you in this room that have that same struggle. Maybe you grew up in the church and you made a commitment to the Lord and maybe you really meant it. But the way your life has gone, you uh, struggle to see the point. You don't understand why God would allow you to go through abuse or homelessness or whatever the case may be in your case. I don't live in your shoes, so I don't know. But whatever it may be, you are angry at God for what He's allowed to transpire in your house, in your life. And maybe you're even blaming God for something that you got yourself into because you refuse to acknowledge Him and you turn your back on Him. You know, the proverb says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, that's a true saying. Everything in the Bible is true. And if you doubt it, just think back on your life and think about that verse and see if maybe that's true. Now, it might not be physical death, but it could be death of a dream or something along those lines. So we have to be very careful about what we blame on God and, and what's our own fault. And I want to share with you from the book of Exodus, if anybody has their Old Testament with them, they can turn with me. Exodus chapter 3 is where I'll be reading from. Um, and uh, what, what I'm going to, the person that I'm going to talk to you about today is Moses. Now, if you know anything about Moses... You know that when he was a baby, he was hid for three months. And after his mom couldn't hide him anymore, she put him um, on a river in a basket to preserve his life because the Pharaoh in Egypt wanted to kill all the Hebrew boys because he didn't want them to have any more ancestors because they were growing bigger and bigger, so he made them their slaves and he tried to control them. But the midwives in that situation, they feared God, so they saved the babies alive. And so then Pharaoh said, well, if you're going to save the babies alive, I'm going to kill them all by throwing them in the river and they're going to die. Well, Moses' mother didn't do that. She saved him. And he was picked up by Pharaoh's daughter and raised in Egypt as royalty. 
Then when he got to be about 40 years old, he decided to leave Egypt. Now there's a variety of circumstances that surround that, but the biggest reason was that he would rather serve God than to have the riches of Egypt. So he goes out of Egypt and he spends 40 years on the backside of the desert tending sheep. And one day, well, we'll just read about this one day that, that stuck out in Moses' life. It says now in chapter 3, verse 1 of Exodus, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. First observation. If you've ever done a bonfire, you know that the only way to keep it alive, or in my case, we heat with wood in the winter, the only way to keep those, those fires alive is to keep adding wood because the wood burns up and the fire dies. Well, in this case, the, the wood wasn't burning up. The fire was there. It was hot, but it wasn't burning up. And uh, so Moses, this is odd, so Moses goes to see what's up. And it says then, Moses said, I will now turn aside and see the great bush and why it does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called to him from the midst of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take off your sandals, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. I am God, the God of your father, the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now he was afraid to even look upon God, but as you'll see later on in this passage, God proceeds to tell him that he is chosen to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, there's a couple observations I want to make about this. Number one, God could have done it by any other means. He could have said the word and the Egyptians would die and the Israelites could go free. He could have done it that way if that's the way he wanted to. I mean, he created the whole world in seven days. So, he could have easily, he could have easily, you know, led the children of Israel out of bondage by himself. But he chooses to use Moses. And so he chooses to use us to do his work, even though he can choose to do it in any way. And the second thing I want to observe is that even though Moses hid his face from God, later on he gets a little cocky and he starts arguing with God because God tells him he's going to do this. And he says, and this is why I told you earlier that God wins an argument before you even have it, because this is what Moses says in chapter 4, verse 10. He says, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said, Who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. Now, 
I don't know about you, but for the most part, that would that would I would hope anyway that that would seal the deal for me. I would hope that I would just be like, okay, Lord, when are we leaving? And let me pack a few things and I'll be gone. But Moses doesn't do this. He continues to argue. He says, how how will they know? So then God gives him some signs whereby um, he's to know. Um, people are to know that he is supposed to be followed by them. And I won't go into detail on that except to encourage you to read that story in Exodus chapter 3 and 4 and to continue to read through Exodus through Deuteronomy. It's, it's a wonderful selection of scripture. Um, a lot of adventure. Um, anybody who says the Bible's boring is wrong. And you just have to look at it um, as an adventure because it is. But the main point of this here is I was Moses. I was railing against God. I was saying, God, you, you didn't make me to do great service. You gave me every obstacle in the world. And now you expect me to do stuff for you? How can I do this? And I finally got to that point at that conference where God was like, okay, enough excuses. I need you to work for me. And before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And I appointed you to do work for me. And so, armed with this, I began to, to prayerfully seek ministry opportunities whereby I could be a mouthpiece for the Lord. And He's opened so many doors. Being on Children's Bible Hour was one of them. I'm active in a jail ministry. Um, I've graduated from college now um, with, a, with a bachelor's Amen. degree. And, and, I, um, and now I'm working here at Guiding Light Mission. And my responsibilities um, here are expanding as well. And I, I just think of the passage where Jesus said, He who is faithful in little things will be faithful also in much. Now I'm not going to say that it's a walk in the park. I still have hard days. And the last couple of years have been two of the toughest years of my life. Because for 12 years I've been telling people that I believe God has a plan for my life and that I believe that He can use me the way that I am. And for the last two years, it's like God has put me through test after test to prove me and to see, for me to see, whether I really meant what I said or whether I was just saying words. And I want to tell you here... um, ladies and gentlemen, that maybe God has you in a test. Maybe He's teaching you how to firm your resolve and follow Him. And I want to encourage you. Jesus said in John chapter 10, The thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, I, I see a lot of chapel services here. I'm here usually from like 9 in the morning to 6 or 7 at night. So I usually see both chapel services on Wednesday. And I, and, I, and I see these speakers, and I'm sure they're well-meaning, but they'll say, repeat this prayer after me, and, and you'll be saved. And then they'll, they'll um, invite them forward and welcome them to the family of God. And if, if it's sincere, if it's real, that's great. But I want to encourage you something. God doesn't want magic words. He wants your heart. 
He wants to change life. And you know, we, we, we want to help you with your physical needs. But that meal that you're going to eat, you're going to have to come back tonight and eat another meal. Your physical needs will always never be met. But there is a place where you can go that even though your life is empty, as one of my favorite radio shows says, it can be filled to overflowing. Because Jesus Christ doesn't do any half jobs. As I said earlier, in Philippians 1 verse 6, it says, He who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then in Philippians chapter 2, it says that it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But he's not rude. He's a gentleman. He's not going to barge into a life where he's not wanted. And so, he needs a willing heart. The Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. It doesn't matter how many chapel services you come to. If you come to the Bible study we're going to have later today, that doesn't matter. What matters is your heart. Those things are important to edify your life with Jesus Christ. But unless you've met the Master, you can't follow Him. You know, I, I can sit up here and for some of my sports heroes, I can recite all their stats. I might have even met some of them at an autograph session. But if you ask me the crucial questions, I can't give you the answers because I don't know their heart. I haven't spent any substantial time with them. Yes, I know their name because they're in the media. And maybe you grew up hearing the name of Jesus, but you haven't met the Master. I'm telling you folks, I've met the Master. He's in the life-changing business. He took a broken, crippled, angry young man and he turned him into someone who wants to serve him for the rest of his life. He wants to glorify him in his infirmities, as Paul says. So, you know what? And I, I also want to say this really quick. I've had people say that if I had enough faith, I wouldn't be in this wheelchair today. And the last time somebody said that to me, I was depressed for three days. But I was reading in John chapter 9 where the disciples see the man born blind and they say, Master, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And he said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the power of God may be manifest in him. And for that man, it meant a restoration of his physical sight. But I want to tell you something. God placed me in this wheelchair and the minute that this wheelchair is unnecessary for my ministry, it'll be gone. Whether that's here on earth or more likely when I get to heaven. You know what the exciting thing is about it being when I get to heaven? The first time I'm able to kneel before anyone will be when I kneel before the Lord and confess Him as Lord. And I'm looking forward to that day. And I want to tell you something, folks. I want to see all of you there. I want to be able to call a meeting of all the people that were at the noon chapel service on this day. And I want all of you to be there. You can be, you know. The Bible says, Whosoever will may come. And him who comes to me I will in no wise 
cast out. But it's not good works that save you. You know, there's a lot of people that do good works. That when they get to when they get to heaven, Jesus is going to say, "Depart from me, I never knew you." Because it's not about the works you do. The Bible says it's not about the works you do, but it's Him who does the will of my Father. And the first will of your Father is that you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And if you expect it to be an easy road just because you say a few words, let me tell you folks, it's harder. God has put me through more tests in the past year than I ever would have cared to go through. He's stretching me way beyond what I thought was my breaking point. But He's been there every step of the way. And you know, some of my struggles right now is I'm, I'm looking for a full-time job or ministry opportunity and I'm also praying fervently for a godly wife. Amen. A couple times I've thought that I found her and it hasn't worked out and it's been devastating. Sometimes I think that it's hard for them to look past my disability or more importantly or more accurately that they're scared about things associated with my disability and rather than discuss them, they'd rather keep their distance. And that saddens me. And I'm trying to be faithful and wait for God's timing, but it's hard because I am lonely. But you know what? I believe that God knew what He was doing when He said it's not good for a man to be alone. And when the time is right, He will provide that person for me. And if, if I leap ahead of Him, I'll be just like Abraham with Hagar. And I'll get more heartache than I could ever dream. So I'm trying to be patient and faithful until that time. But I'll tell you something, nothing thrills me more than the prospect of marrying a godly wife and raising children to serve and love God. I'm looking forward to that future, Lord willing. But my question to you as we close is, where are you in this present? The future isn't going to do you any good unless you deal with the present. Are you going to just go through day after day of the same? Or are you going to let the Master come in and do His work? The touch of the Master's hand is something that you will never be the same. Nobody that Jesus was, was around was the same after He approached them. Even those who chose go their own way were different because they were more hardened more against the things of God and they paid dearly sometimes and you, you may have a physical cost you know our, our society does not like Jesus Christ they will not even mention him they'll mention God you know I did an interview a few weeks back with the Grand Rapids Press and I told them boldly how Jesus Christ changed my life. You know there's not one mention of Jesus Christ in the article? And that bugs me. Because Jesus is the name that changes lives. God is so generic. Uh, God could be any number of things to any number of people. But there's one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus, and I'm here to preach Him and Him crucified, and risen again on the third day. Because He is the way, the truth, and the life.
Nobody, nowhere else. Nowhere else. You can keep searching if you want, but you're not going to find anything. But the Bible says he who truly seeks will find. And as I close, I want to share a, a song with you that kind of sums up how I feel about what Jesus did for me. And after I do that, I want to share with you a couple new programs that I'm working on with the mission. And hopefully we can help you with some of those needs that you have. And as we meet some of your physical needs, I hope you'll realize that the most important needs you have are spiritual and that you deal with those as well. Shackled by a heavy burden Neath a load of guilt and shame Then the hand of Jesus touched me And now I am no longer the same He touched me Oh, He touched me And all the joy that floods my soul Something happened And now I know He touched me And made me whole Since I met this blessed Savior Since He cleansed and made me whole I will never cease to praise Him I'll shout it while eternity rolls He touched me Oh, He touched me And all the joy that floods my soul Something happened And now I know He touched me and made me whole. Well, thank you very much. In just a few moments, I will say a prayer for the food and you'll be able to sit down and and grab your food. Um, For those of you who were here a few weeks ago, you know that we want to begin reaching out on a more personal level to help meet some of your personal needs, either medical, dental, or housing needs. And uh, Preston, who is the executive director here, asked me to kind of head up this program. So what I'm going to ask you to do, as soon as I get done here, I'm going to go back to my office and, and grab some surveys that we have. And I'm going to leave them over on the... I think I'll probably leave them over on the security table for you to fill out, which gives us, you know, you're not required to fill these out. But I will say this, that the more information we have about you, the better we can help you. And I don't, we're not going to be able to necessarily help you right away, overnight, because this is a new program, something we're trying to pull together and we want to do the best we can. So the more information that you give us, the better. And the most important is probably contact information. 
so that I can can call you and uh, talk to you one on one if I need to to do my best to um, meet those needs or to help meet those needs. So the more information you can give, the better. And if you don't have a phone number, you can go down to Degage Ministries and you can get a voicemail. And they will even teach you how to, they'll show you how to work it so that you can get a phone number where you can collect messages even if you don't have a permanent place of residence. So please make sure that if you want to do that, that you pick up one of those surveys, fill it out so that I can then begin to better serve you. I really am excited about this and I want to help as many people as I can. So um, if you need mentors or if you need housing or if you need medical or dental care, you know, just put that on the survey so that I can do my best to make sure that I um, take care of that for you as much as lies in my power and the wonderful team of people that I have working with me as well. Um, So I will put those out and I hope that you enjoy your meal. Also, immediately following your meal, if you want to um, be part of a Bible study, we will be having a Bible study back in my office at 1.30. We're just starting today. And the cool thing about coming to the first Bible study is you'll have some input on the direction of the study because I really wanted to meet the needs of the specific people, so I haven't made any definite decisions on what we'll be studying. So if you want, um, I'll be out front, out, out front by that wall right there in back, um, waiting for people so we can line up along the wall and then we'll go back there at 1.30. So if you have any other questions, I'll be around to talk to people as well. I'm here until 5. So um, with that said, I will close in prayer and give a prayer for the food. I thank you for your attention. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful opportunity that we have to serve you. Lord, I pray that those people here that have not yet felt the touch of the Master, would feel it today. And that they would feel the pleasure of serving the best of Masters, even though it's tinged with pain sometimes. That the pain is for our good, just as much as the pleasure is for our good. And that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Lord, I pray that we would believe it. I pray for myself, Lord that you would help my unbelief and help me to be faithful. I commit these people to you and I pray that you bless this food to their bodies and bless the people that prepared it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, sir.